Church, it is good to be back with you today. As Pastor Ronell shared with you last Sunday, and as many of you know, a group of men from our church climbed the Rhino Horn in the southern Drakensberg last week. And I'm glad to say, by the grace of God, that we all made it back safely without injury. It took us 11 hours to complete the hike that stretched 24 kilometers in distance with an elevation of 1.4 kilometers. And at the summit of the peak, we were sitting at just over 3,000 meters above sea level. Um, and at that point in the day, we were sitting above the clouds. It was a tough challenge. And at that stage, or at one stage, we even lost our way because of the misty weather conditions. So we had to kind of backtrack and find our way onto the right path. But as the weather cleared on our way down, we were just awestruck by the magnitude and beauty of these gigantic mountains that, that surrounded us. God's creation is truly breathtaking, and it's in moments like these where you really appreciate the magnificence and power of our almighty God, the creator of the universe. And you know, church, I was telling someone last week, sometimes you have to be willing to go where you don't normally go or where most people don't dare to go to find these spectacular views and experience God's creation in all of its magnificence and mystery. And I mention all of this to you today, not to brag or to make you feel jealous, or even just to whet your appetite for the next time we tackle this mountain. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit anyway. <laughs> but I mention all of this to you today because what we're about to embark on in this new series on the book of Revelation is a journey that not many people are willing to go on because it seems too difficult or mysterious to understand. It seems like a mountain to climb. But I want to say to you this morning, if you are willing to go there, which we are going to go there together, we will unlock certain truths and mysteries within the Word of God that will prepare us for the season we are in as the church of Jesus Christ. Now, church, you would recall me mentioning and saying on Vision Sunday in March of this year that Jesus warns us in Scripture to see current events as kingdom events. In other words, what we're witnessing right now around the world and even in our own country, even in our own community, has kingdom ramifications. This is what Jesus warns us about in Luke chapter 12, verses 54 to 56. He says, when you see a cloud forming in the west, don't you say a storm is brewing and then it arrives? And when you feel the south winds blowing, you say a heat wave is on the way and so it happens. What hypocrites. You are such experts at forecasting the weather, but you are totally unwilling to understand the spiritual significance of the time you're living in. Or as other translations say, the God season that you're living in. Now Jesus was addressing this to the, to the Pharisees, but as the church, we must be challenged to really open up our eyes in this God season. That when we see and hear these things taking place, we need to recognize the strong possibility that we are beginning to witness what could very well be the last days. Now, I know that is a term that is thrown around very loosely in church circles and has been done so for many, many generations. You know, some of you were told that you were living in the last days when you were a child, and now you're all grown up and you have your own children, and 
grandchildren, perhaps even great-grandchildren. So for us, it seems to be a mystery. But we need to understand and recognize, church, that what we're experiencing is the beginning of birth pains. In Matthew chapter 24, it says, As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Meaning he's already there, so they're speaking about a second coming at the end of the age. And then Jesus says, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But Jesus says, see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. And church, I believe that God is speaking through these birth pains and groanings as Paul describes in Romans chapter 8. He's speaking to his church and he's beginning to ask us to lift our eyes to the kingdom so that we would be prepared for a coming and a last day's revival. And yes, Jesus says that we should not be alarmed when we see these things taking place, but he does say that we should be prepared. And so even though we could never and should never put a date on when Jesus is going to come again, we should at least be acquainted with the signs of the times. Because there are some things happening in our world right now that are harbingers or indicators or predictors of things related to the soon and coming return of our Lord. And what God tells us in advance are some things related to His second coming. So in that sense, we should not be prepared, or we should be prepared for these things, but not be troubled by them. And this is why John says in John chapter 14, from verses 1 to 3, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Church, that's our hope. Jesus is coming again, and it is with great expectancy that we should read the book of Revelation. And so today, as we embark on this journey of studying the book of Revelation, Let's be willing to go where not many other people are willing to go. And let's look at it in the light of preparing ourselves for what God is doing in this season so that we would be ready for what He wants to do through His church for such a time as this. Amen? So let's read the first couple of verses of Revelation chapter 1, and then I will spend the rest of today just bringing some foundation and setting foundation for this series. Have you got your Bibles open? Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, 
who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and was washed and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, it says, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, the first thing I want to point out, church, this morning by way of introduction to this book and to this series is that the book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. It says in verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. It is a prophecy. And listen, I will say from the get-go that some of the prophecies we are going to cover may seem to us to be very bizarre, outlandish, or far-fetched. They may even sound weird because it refers to symbols like lampstands, trumpets, bowls, beasts, and creatures, among many other things. But even as strange as it may sound, we need to know, church, that the book of Revelation predicts the future of the world that we're living in as well as our eternal future. It is called a prophecy, and it is referred to as such five times throughout this book. So very clearly, we need to understand that it is not a parable. It is not a fantasy. It is not poetry. Right? It is not legendary. It is predictive prophecy. This book predicts the future. In fact, the book of Revelation contains more details about the end times and the coming of Christ than any other portion of the Bible, and it will amplify it in the greatest of detail. Now, church, just something to note. I've, I've noticed that some people are, are afraid of prophecy, especially the prophecies in the book of Revelation. When you say you're going to go into the book of Revelation or speak about Revelation, they say, you know what, do we really have to go there? Because who can understand these mysteries? They say, I don't really understand these things, and I don't even want to think about those things, right? Let me just say to you this morning, don't be afraid of prophecy. I say that firstly because prophecy, church, is for preparation. God warns us so that we can be prepared. But secondly, because one quarter of your Bible is prophecy. Did you know that? I think the exact number is 26.8% of these scriptures are prophetic. So if you don't want to read prophecy, there is a lot of the Bible that you are going to miss out on. But we are going to go where not many others are willing to go. And I want you to think of prophecy as being an aspect of, 
one of God's great attributes. God is omniscient. He, he, he knows everything, right? And because He is omniscient, one of the aspects of His omniscience is that He knows the future in advance and can write about it and predict it through His prophets in the most graphic of detail. In fact, this is what separates our God from all other gods. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, Can your idols make such claims as these? Let them come and show what they can do, says God, the King of Israel. Let them try to tell us what occurred in years gone by or what the future holds. Yes, that's it. If you are gods, tell what will happen in the days ahead or do some mighty miracle that will make us stare amazed. But no, you are less than nothing and can do nothing at all. Anyone who chooses you needs to have his head examined. I like that translation. Church, only God can predict the future. And when it comes to the scripture, we can rely on every prophecy that is contained therein. You know, church, these days, people have an idea that they can predict what's going to happen in the future. Right? They make all these kinds of assumptions about what's going to happen next year or in five years' time or in ten years' time. We have a lot of false prophets and, and people who just make assumptions about the future, and sometimes they will come pretty close. But most of the time, they miss the mark by far. It reminds me about a, a true story in, in 1870 about a minister who was visiting a friend of his. And he said, he was studying the scriptures, and he said, I believe the Bible predicts that nothing new can be invented after this point. He made the statement back in 1870. And, and just think about how wrong he was, because in our day and age, we are reading the Bibles on our, our phones. Anyway, his friend looked at him and said to him, I wholeheartedly disagree with that statement, because I believe that within 50 years, men will soar through the sky like birds they'll be able to fly. The minister turned around and said to him, be careful lest you be guilty of blasphemy for flight is reserved only for the angels. What is intriguing, really intriguing about this story is that this minister's name was, was Milton Wright and he had two sons named Wilbur and Orville Wright who within 30 years would be flying the very first airplane. Milton Wright ended up being wrong. Because man, unless strictly guided and instructed by God, will at best come somewhat near to what the future holds. And that's why the book of Revelation is so important for us to be able to know without a doubt what the future holds according to God himself. So church, to give you some background to the book of Revelation for those of you who like to take notes. First of all, it was written by the Apostle John. Right, most of us know that. And he's identified by name right there in verse 1 as his servant John. He is a servant of Jesus. And the year that he wrote this was around the year 95 AD. And now that would make him 95, around about 95 years old, because it was believed that he was born around the same time that Jesus was born, or just slightly thereafter. So he's in his 90s by this time which means that he is the oldest and last surviving of the original 12 apostles. 
And we find that he writes this letter from a, a little Greek island in the Aegean Sea called the island of Patmos. And look, I know most of us would love to be on some Greek island right now vacationing. But let me tell you, John was not vacationing on, on Patmos. He was banished there to do hard labor by Domitian, who was an emperor between the, the time of about 90 to 96 AD. He was being persecuted along with thousands of other Christians that were persecuted by Domitian and Nero in the first century AD. And you know, church, as, even as old as John was, God was not done with him. And you know, it's so amazing to me how God can use both those who are young and those who are old for his eternal purposes. Somebody needs to hear that today. God is not done with you, even if it feels like you are in the last years of your life, even if it feels like you're in the last season of your life, right? Even if you're in your 90s, God still says, I have a plan for your life. Is there someone that needs to hear that today? Just as God is not a respecter of persons, he's not a respecter of age. Just as God was not done with John, he's not done with you. Is there a witness in the house this morning that needs to hear that? Amen. And so John is on the island of Patmos, and, and God gives us incredible revelation to him. And this is a very important point to make right from the beginning, because this is not John's revelation. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent it and signified it by his angel to his servant John. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation, church, is the Greek word apocalypsis. And this is where we get our English word apocalypse. And even though we think that apocalypse means the complete final destruction of the world, because we've seen all these movies, apocalypse this or apocalypse that, what it really means, church, it just means an unveiling or a revealing. Right? That's all it means. It's a fancy Greek word that just means there's an unveiling here. There's a revealing. There's a revelation. In other words, in this context, it's an unveiling and a revealing of Christ Jesus and his authority over this world, its end times, and the recreation thereof. Right? Hence the title of our series, Revealing Jesus. And throughout the book of Revelation, Jesus is revealed in a magnificent way. There are 32 titles for Jesus throughout the book, and I just want to mention a couple of them today that are found in the first chapter. We will spend a lot more time in chapter 1 in the, in the weeks to come, but church, I just want you to see and listen to how our Lord is revealed in the first chapter alone. In verse 5, he is called the faithful witness. Does anyone believe that our God is faithful this morning? He is called the firstborn from the dead because he's the only one to be raised from the dead and never die again. And he's called the ruler over the kings of the earth. In verse 8, he is identified as the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The Almighty who is and who was and who is to come. In verse 11, he is referred to as the first and the last. And in verse 18, he says, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, 
I am alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. Tell the person next to you, that's my Jesus he's talking about. (laughs) So these nine titles that he has given here in chapter 1 kind of just sets the stage for how amazing and how majestic and awesome our Lord is. Can we just give him a shout of praise for a moment in this place? Now, church, the outline for the entire book of Revelation is found in chapter 1, verse 19. Look at what it says. It says, Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. He says to John, I want you to write about the things that you have seen. That's chapter 1, and that has to do with the appearance of Jesus. Right? He's going to see Jesus as he's going to write about the majestic appearance of our Lord in this vision. Then Jesus says, I want you to also write about the things which are. And church, John was living in a time that some now affectionately call the church age. And in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus is going to dictate seven letters to seven different churches, which were literal churches, But they also represent something in terms of the timeline of the church age, which we will break down when we get to those chapters. Also there in verse 19, Jesus says, I want you to write about the things which will take place after this. So after the the church age comes future things, which we find from chapters 4 all the way to the end in chapter 22. And just to whet your appetite a little this morning, we are going to be discussing the following topics related to each of these stages. Since the time of Jesus rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven, it launched the church age. And it's the time period, church, in which the Lord has gone back into heaven and he has handed, if you will, the baton of ministry to us as believers and we are entrusted with the most sacred privilege of firstly ministering to him And from that place, ministering to others by sharing the good news of who Jesus is so that as many people as possible might come to faith in Christ and might be able to join in the hope that we have when we talk about things related to Jesus' second coming. We are living in the church age now and we don't know how long the church age will last. It could last 10 weeks. It could last 10 years. It could last another 100 years. But the thing that will end the church age is the rapture of the church. Now, church, this is where it gets really interesting and also controversial. Because when we talk about the second coming of Christ, we need to understand that there's a lot of differing opinions about Jesus' second coming, even by some of the greatest theological minds of our time and times past. So this is one of the topics among many others that we will discuss in the series where I will try and bring as much context and scripture, for instance, with the rapture, to explain why I believe that the church will be raptured before the Great Tribulation. And let's remember, church, the purposes of this series is to prepare us for what God is doing in this season. It's not to get into religious debates or doctrinal debates about topics that can sometimes separate the best and and smartest of Christians. This is about revealing Jesus, right? This is about revealing Jesus. So at any stage of this series, you feel like you want to start, 
you know, getting upset with people because they disagree with you. Remember, what we're doing is to reveal Jesus and prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in the season. Amen? We will also be looking at the very interesting topics of the tribulation period, Jesus' second coming, the thousand-year millennial reign, the lake of fire, the great white throne judgment, and the new heaven and the new earth. <clears throat> and maybe you can put that last slide up for us. Just a bit of a timeline for what we can expect throughout the book or throughout this, this series. Let me go a bit closer that I can see there. As you can see from Revelation chapter 1 to 3, we have the church age. After the church age, the, the church is, is raptured. We are taken up to meet Jesus in the clouds. From Revelation chapter 6 to 18, we have the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 19, it's referred to what Jesus speaks about where Jesus touches his feet down on the earth. He comes back with his church. Revelation 20, it speaks about the thousand-year millennial reign, the lake of fire. Some things have just slipped out of position there, but it's fine. We'll sort that out next week. And then also Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment. And the new heaven and the new earth from Revelation chapter 21 to chapter 22. Those are the, some of the things that we can look forward to as we go through this series. Now church, just a, a word of caution for all of us as we kick off this series. Everything does not necessarily mean something in our world right now. What do I mean by that? There is the tendency to want to read the book of Revelation and think that everything we see in our world today has to do with what we're reading. We must be careful that we don't see a demon hiding behind every corner. Right? There is the tendency to think that everything, you know, every new piece of technology is the mark of the beast, and every new dominating world leader currently on the scene is the Antichrist or the false prophet. In the 1930s, the church was convinced that they were living in the end times and that it was the book of Revelation fulfilled. They were convinced that Hitler was the Antichrist and Joseph Stalin was the false prophet. And even though tanks were pulling up to churches throughout Europe, the church was preaching and saying, don't worry, the rapture is coming. The rapture didn't happen and 10,000 pastors were killed during World War II, which included men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for refusing to bow to Nazi, Nazi Germany. And look, they obviously stood for truth, they stood for, for the right things, but what happened at the time is that the church became disillusioned because Jesus didn't come then. And they were convinced that Hitler was the Antichrist. They became disillusioned in their faith because they had this preconceived notion that it must be the book of Revelation. So church, let us be careful when we, we study the book of Revelation because Everything does not necessarily mean something in our world right now. What we're experiencing now are the birth pains. And yes, Jesus is coming again to take us home. And yes, the world is becoming darker and darker and more and more evil. But let's put it in its right context so that we correctly reveal Jesus and prepare ourselves with joyful anticipation for his imminent return. Amen. Are we excited what God's going to do through this series of the next couple of weeks and months? Lord, we just want to thank you for this time as your church. And we ask, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts as we study the book of Revelation. And we, as we look carefully at our world, 
Not in an unwise way, Lord, but in a way that would reveal our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And no matter what we see in terms of world events and wickedness and just the heaviness of life, may we always be reminded that our hope is in you and that you are coming again. And Lord, just as you were faithful to come the first time to die on a cross for our sins and ascend into heaven to prepare a place for us, you are going to come again to receive us unto yourself that where you are there, we might be also. Lord, may we also with great joy and anticipation be reminded of our hope in you so that no matter what happens in this world, as crazy as it might get, we know our eternal reward and our eternal home is with you in heaven. So Lord, encourage us with these thoughts and remind us to not be afraid and not to get weighed down, but to lift our eyes to the kingdom because our redemption is near. We love you, Lord. And we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just give God all the glory.